I'm actually surprised it's giving us a runway until June. To me, this signals it could really get dragged out into the next presidential cycle. Let's assume June 2023 plus 60 days equals late summer. This gives advocates some real juice to push for full cancellation around the 2024 elections. Not to mention all the people who have had no plans to start repayment. Imagine no one paid in mass. You are listening to Off the Struggle Bus, your weekly check-in on politics and personal finance. I'm MJ, your favorite public sector dot connector, sharing stories from my time in local government and national campaigns with tips and resources to help you get ahead. You're listening because you work in the public sector and are also trying to get your money right. Because you know how you make your money and how you spend your dollar shows exactly who you are. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace actual financial, tax, or legal advice. Personal finance is political. You and me are going to get off this struggle bus together. It's technically a Thursday, so we're here. This introvert is pretty happy to keep a low profile this holiday week. I am not a fan of big gatherings, but if you're stuck at one, I'm hoping this episode gives you a bit of distraction and calm in what can be a pretty hectic time. I'm here with this week's readout on politics and personal finance. On Tuesday, it was announced the student loan repayment pause is extended. We were preparing for payments to restart in January, but the program being challenged in court is what's holding this up. According to the Education Department's website, ed.gov, Payments will resume 60 days after the department is permitted to implement the program or the litigation is resolved, which will give the Supreme Court an opportunity to resolve the case during its current term. If the program has not been implemented and the litigation has not been resolved by June 30, 2023, payments will resume 60 days after that. I'm actually surprised it's giving us a runway until June. To me, this signals it could really get dragged out into the next presidential cycle. Let's assume June 2023 plus 60 days equals late summer. This gives advocates some real juice to push for full cancellation around the 2024 elections. Not to mention all the people who have had no plans to start repayment. Imagine no one paid in mass. I know election day just passed, but this timeline moves quickly, especially when things are happening behind the scenes. There are a couple of scenarios I'm seeing play out. This is just a hypothesis. Take me with a grain of salt. Scenario one, the Biden administration wins in court. 10 to $20,000 is forgiven for each student debtor <laughs> and is paid out in the first half of 2023. The Democrats have their win and are generally good going into 2024. Scenario two, the court battle drags out past June 30, 2023. They say payments will resume after that, 60 days after that, but people haven't been paying since 2020 and there's lots of uncertainty, unfairness, and confusion and debt relief advocates really make a push for full forgiveness no one pays in mass, and the pause will get extended into 2024. That's scenario two. Scenario three, 
Don't forget the Republicans are now in control of the House of Representatives. Not sure how the most extreme voices in the Republican Party are going to play out, but now they're in the majority. All to say, there are a couple of feeds I regularly look to for updates on the student loan front. Obviously, the Education Department and the POTUS account, President of the United States, right? But also, the Debt Collective, Debt-Free Gunnaby, and Student Loan Planner. Disclaimer here, I'm an affiliate partner of Student Loan Planner, but seriously, Travis's emails are pretty informative, and they also have a lot of free resources on their blog. While we're not sure where this will land early next year, I can say I'm thankful for the extension news this week. It gives me a bit of breathing room to work on finances and catch up. But it is Thanksgiving week. I love the holiday season because folks are generally checked out, which gives some time to catch up on work on both the professional and personal front. I'm actually feeling super reflective and thankful for this interesting journey in personal finance I've had so far. As you all know, I didn't grow up with any guidance in finance. I was brought here when I was six years old. Money caused tension and trauma in my household. I learned very early I had to support myself instead of relying on the selective support I could find from my parents. I worked a nine to five all through college and paid for college through a mix of scholarships and student loans. While going to a public college was surely helpful, I was $15,000 in high interest credit card debt. At the time, my partner was extremely supportive. He was older, the eldest son of a Cantonese family. They didn't come from money, but they did have stability that I never did. He lived in the house they owned, and marrying him at 24 allowed me space and a safety net to pay down all my debt and build the savings of almost $15,000. Looking back, I could have done so much more with that kind of money, but I needed to get through the trials to get to this point. When we decided to separate in 2018, I began my real effort to fix my personal finance. I was newly single, burning into my emergency fund after divorce. I was a new business owner, handling marketing and social media as a consultant for several nonprofit organizations. So, my first experience in personal finance really was with the financial gym in New York. I got paired with this amazing woman, Ramona, shout out to you. She helped me plan out how I'd pay my high interest credit card debt. I worked with her from summer 2018 to summer 2019. She helped me feel a bit more confident about some foundational personal finance habits. In 2019, I was actively trying to find ways to save money. So I cut my FinGym membership and tried working with a counselor at one of New York City's financial empowerment centers. If you live near one, it's worth checking out. They provide free one-on-one -on -one professional financial coaching. I think I was just paired with the wrong person, and because of bureaucracy and scheduling, working with the FEC Center just wasn't for me. I will say it did help my now husband a lot. He had outstanding medical debt, which they helped him pay down, and he worked with his counselor for about a year. I'll make sure to drop the link in the show notes. Since I no longer had a financial counselor, I found myself skimming through the library for books on personal finance written by people of color. 
I just couldn't relate to most of the books because I've never lived the life of a privileged white person. I started listening to podcasts, something I thought I'd never do, and came across Paychecks and Balances with Rich Jones and Marcus Garrett, a personal finance and career podcast geared toward millennials. I'm one of three siblings, the only girl and middle child, and something about their banter reminded me of my two brothers, light, fun, relatable, and real. It's the podcast that stuck. I might have binged all the episodes. I also was put on to Tiffany Aliche by one of my grad school friends, the budget nista, the very first person who felt truly relatable in personal finance. She was a teacher, and in learning how she turned her financial struggles into financial success, I knew there had to be a way out of the overwhelm and fog that I always felt when it came to money. I bought her book and entered 2020 armed with resources to reframe my mindset. This all happened while I was finishing my executive master in public administration. I was having my first kid in March 2020 while, you know, a pandemic was wreaking havoc all around the world. I honestly was in a blackout and blur after March 2020 and really didn't come back to myself until March 2022. Tiffany, Rich, and Berna Anat, this amazing Filipino-American finance creator out of the Bay Area, became my cornerstones in personal finance. Side note about Berna, she slipped into my feed in 2021 when she posted about Stop Asian Hate. I've loved her ever since and will scream it from the rooftops that everyone needs to buy her book, Money Out Loud. Go pre-order it. I'll link it in the show notes. It was in February of 2022 that I heard about FinCon. I was driving to work and Rich Jones mentioned that if you're passionate about personal finance but aren't a creator, you could apply for a community pass. So I did. I didn't get confirmation until June that I would actually have an opportunity to buy a ticket to FinCon. So I did. And now, here I am talking to you about how thankful I am for the life that led me here. I actually process things by speaking it out loud and never thought having my own podcast would be so cathartic. Thank you for being here with me. So, what are you doing this week to get off the struggle bus? I think relax, breathe, and be thankful. It may be overwhelming, but we're gonna be okay. I'll drop the links to the show notes for you to check out later. Just assume all the things with a price are an affiliate link of some sort. I'm linking them because I think they're helpful. The links from the episode are going to be the official education department announcement on the extension for student loan repayment, the debt collective, debt-free gonna be, student loan planner, the New York City Financial Empowerment Centers, you're also getting links to Rich Jones, Tiffany the Budgetista, and our favorite money hype woman, Berna Anat. Bonus, I'm linking an episode of Brown Ambition with the guise of Paychecks and Balances. It's a really fun listen. Okay, that's the readout for this week. Hit me up on Instagram at MJ underscore OTSB or Maria at MJFloels.com. As always, you're not alone in figuring out your personal finance. 
I'm MJ, and we're getting off this struggle bus together. Always remember, personal finance is political. Until next time.